I'm Abby Strauss, and welcome to the Expert Speak, a service of the Florida Psychiatric Society. I'm speaking to Dr. Scott Benson, who is a psychiatrist in Pensacola, Florida. Dr. Benson, thank you very much for being with us. I'm glad to be here, Abby. We are interested in learning a little bit more about the use of psychiatric medications with adolescents and children. There have been a number of articles recently published and on television, and we really want to get a better understanding of this. People often ask me, do kids really need medications? What do you think about that? Oh, I, I think absolutely. There are there certainly is a population of uh, children who clearly have severe psychiatric problems, and trying to treat that uh, anyway, except with medicine, is just not right. It, does it require a psychiatrist only to treat them? Well, uh, uh, psychiatrists, of, of course, have additional special training in psychiatric or mental illness problems that would affect children. In general, the way that the way a psychiatrist practices with uh, usually allotting large amounts of time to really get careful history, spend time with the parents, uh, opportunity to speak to teachers if they're available, or certainly review schoolwork or any academic testing, gives a, a full psychiatric assessment, kind of a, a, a top rating as far as helping developing a treatment plan that would help children. Uh, certainly other specialists can do this. Many uh, pediatricians in our community really are very skilled at doing assessments, and they do it because they're interested uh, in these kind of problems. They're willing to allocate enough time to really get an understanding of what the problem is and develop a treatment plan and work with work with the children and their families. It would seem, though, that there are a lot of places in our country, I know certainly in Florida, that do not have access to child psychiatrists. When would someone, though, what would a parent begin to feel that they need to go from a pediatrician to a child psychiatrist? Well, I, I hope the pediatrician would alert them. In general, what our research shows is for children's behavior problems, learning problems, academic problems, there are many treatments that work. There, there are medication treatments that work. There are counseling treatments that work. And what the research shows is if if you're getting the right treatment, there should be a substantial improvement in your symptoms within really just a few weeks. And we talk about six weeks. So if if it, it's determined that, this, that a child has some kind of problem and we begin some kind of treatment, we ought to see a big improvement. If we're not seeing that improvement, then that says we either need to change the direction. Uh, we probably, maybe we Instead of just relying on medicine, we should involve a therapist. Maybe instead of just relying on therapy, we need to look at are, are there some other family stress issues that we didn't pay attention to before. So it, it in those kind of easy time frame, it, it requires a frequent reassessment. And if you're if you've had many of those and you're not making progress, then certainly getting a higher level of of expert attention to the problems would seem to me to be in order. One of the things that keeps coming up is that there's such an emphasis on the existence of attention deficit disorder and whether it really exists or not. Is it truly as big a problem as the media seems to be presenting? Well, for for me as a child psychiatrist, and before I got into child psychiatry, I worked as a pediatrician, and I like to think that I did good assessments way back many years ago. I mean, the treatment identification of attention deficit disorder, and that's not what we called it back then, but the identification of it and treatment of it 
is a is 30 40 years old something that we we have huge amounts of research on in fact at a, a recent conference a uh, uh, one of the researchers said there have been more children who have a diagnosis of attention deficit disorder that have been involved in very carefully controlled scientific studies to look at, to, first to make sure this is a, a condition that would warrant treatment and then looking at the treatments that we provide. But we've done, we've had more children in treatment for, in carefully reviewed research treatment for attention deficit disorder than any other pediatric conditions, not just child psychiatric conditions, any pediatric conditions. So across the board? Absolutely. I mean, every, people who really look at the research have no question that attention deficit hyperactivity disorder is a condition. For most children, it seems to run in families. Most of the families I meet these days, the parents are aware that they themselves had similar school struggles, a lot of behavior problems when they were in elementary, middle school. Often they dropped out of high school early, and they don't want that life plan for their child. They want, uh, as all of us do, we want our children to get the maximum education that they have an ability for and that they can be interested so in. So part, part of the workup then is actually looking at the family history. Oh, absolutely, yes. And how safe are, this is the question we hear all the time, how safe are the treatments? They're stimulants. You hear so much about the use of stimulants. Are they really safe? Are they really worth the, the, um, the task of giving them to a child? In, in my opinion, absolutely, yes. Uh, in my, I often tell parents in my work, in my work as a pediatrician years ago, I, I, had, I unfortunately was involved in the care of children who died from taking aspirin. I was involved in the care of children who had fatal allergic reactions to penicillin. I've never seen a child die from Ritalin. And again, if, if you're fairly confident about the diagnosis and you say, this is the treatment plan, these are the things that we're measuring, this is how we will know that this child is doing better, and then you start that and then you have fairly close follow-up, you get some feedback information from the teachers. Uh, we've been working on something in our community to, to develop a fairly consistent, good feedback system from teachers so they can they simply have a form that they fax back to me uh, ahead of the time that the child's coming for an appointment. So I have that information and I can tell, is this child making the progress? I, I have what I call Ritalin stories. One one little boy who he was a second grader, and he uh, I asked he, he we had made a diagnosis of attention problems and decided to that medicine would likely be beneficial. And uh, and he was tired of being in as much trouble. He's very self aware little boy, and so he came in for our first follow up visit, and I started speaking to him. I said, well. Tell me what you've noticed about the medicine. And, and he said, well, I think it's helping. And I said, well, now the, the one you take in the morning, how long does that last? He says, well, I think it wears off a little bit before lunch. But when it starts wearing off, if I put my whole heart into it, I can make it last until lunchtime. But these kids are tired of being in trouble. They're tired of having bad grades. They're tired of being on restriction and being grounded. They are delighted to be successful in school. It has a, it's a huge boost to their self-image to say, I can do this. Do these kids have to be on the medications for life? Well, it, it, they, they will have their attention problems and their impulse problems for life, but there are a lot of situations that, uh, 
adult jobs that don't require close concentration and focus. They're jobs that don't look like school. I've had, I don't know if it's really true, but I've, I have met a lot of used car salesmen that have ADHD and they tell me it helps them to have that. They don't, they don't want to take medicine. A truck driver that's driving across country, he doesn't need to be on medicine for concentration and focus. He needs to be scanning his environment. I had a, a father once who was fortunate because he had a very supportive family. He had been able to get through high school, get through college, and he was in the Air Force as a fighter pilot. And he knew that he had ADHD problems, and he said, my ADHD helps me because when I'm up there flying jet planes, I never think about what I'm doing because all of that activity is pure reflex. One of the things that people often ask and are very concerned how do doctors differentiate the normal phases of childhood and adolescence versus a, a pathology, an illness, an ADHD? And that, that always is a challenge. And what we have to, the, the people that are coming to me are, are parents who, who have, for the most part, they've already tried everything. It's not that they're, you know, like jumping for a quick fix. They've tried everything. Uh, and that the, and these children have been on restriction. They take away this. They shut off the TV. They smash up the video games. And, and still that child's behavior doesn't seem to get, it doesn't move within the confines of, of general family function. And then as part of a careful evaluation, we like to think that we can make a distinction between children who are reacting to a, an identifiable life stressor. Uh, if the, I mean, the parents are going through a divorce and the child who previously had very good function suddenly starts acting up. Well, that's not ADHD. Anybody would know that. That's, that's a response. A, a child who's reacting to the stress of a, of a divorce. And, and, and we can treat that, but that's counseling. That's not a medicine problem. And we tend sometimes, I think, to be too quick to use medicines. Well, it, and, and often that happens, it, and it isn't just a problem in psychiatry or no. child psychiatry. It's a problem with children with colds. There's there's this sense that, you know, my child has a cold and I want him to get well tomorrow so he can go back to school tomorrow because I can't take any more time off work. Can you give him some medicine that will get him well? And we wish we could. We just don't have medicines that work that way. Speaking of medicines that are, are used, there's been a tremendous amount of discussion recently about whether bipolar disorder actually exists in kids. And I'd love to hear some of your comments about that. Well, you just stepped in the giant horn <laughs> of, of debate and discussion in child psychiatry. In this discussion, I mean, the, our, our interview this morning is not going to be long enough to really give the, the kind of careful consideration to the ins and outs of this need to. And what I would refer your, the listeners to is, is if you at the uh, website for the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry, it's uh, aacap.org. There, there are resources for families. One of them is uh, if, for somebody who wants to read the technical details, there are what we call practice parameters. And there's a recent one that was done on bipolar disorder. And Dr. McClellan, who was the principal author of that, does a very careful discussion of the, the struggles that we have as child psychiatrists trying to distinguish uh, and sort out a group of very emotionally reactive, disorganized children. They're, these children have always been there. I mean, I've, I've been doing child psychiatry in Pensacola 30 years, and, and I've seen many of these children. 30 years ago, we didn't talk about them having bipolar disorder. I know that in, in over the course of my years of practice that I've met several, I'm going to say several, because uh, children who I'm convinced had bipolar disorder, I see a lot of very disruptive children, because that's just the nature of my, of my work with, 
with kids and families. But I think what's happened is is that we we've been frustrated with our uh, efforts at trying to help families get organized and, and provide better structure for these children. We've been frustrated in our efforts to provide adequate psychotherapy treatments for these children. Currently, there's a, a lot of research and and, and th- that's showing very beneficial response when you do or help families come up with very well-structured, and they're not punishment-related, they're, they're how, how do we stay out of fights with our children, not by giving in all the time, but how do we put set up structure so that our children will act the way that we want them to? Just as, as an aside, I, I often encourage parents of these disruptive children, the first thing they need to do is rip the TVs out of their children's bedrooms, turn off the rest of the TVs, smash up the video games, shut off MySpace and YouTube, and try to get back to a, a less electrified way of life. But it, 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 but since we've had such trouble getting helping families get in control of these children and help them be settled in school and be effective students, that we look for other treatments. We do know that uh, medication treatments work for bipolar in adults, and some of those symptoms seem similar to these children. So we've had a big rollback and say, well, we ought to be using these, these medications younger and more often and more intensely. And I, I'm not convinced that that's been the correct way. Dr. John March, who's at Duke University, has a, a huge research project ongoing, and I'm, I'm fortunate to be part of that. And what he's doing is he's collecting information about or from psychiatrists in community settings like I am. I mean, I just I have a little office here in Pensacola and patients come in and I see new patients. And, and, and if it's appropriate that they have some problem that would require treatment with medicine, then I, I fill out certain forms. And Dr. March and his team of statisticians are collecting a huge amount of information. They're looking to collect about 2,400 patients. And when, and when we look and search at that amount of information, He's saying that we're going to start getting some answers as to as to what are what are these conditions and what are we dealing with and what 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 can we learn from that research that would give us an, a clear direction to go in. This is sounding very positive. I wish we had more time today to talk about some of the other issues like obsessive compulsive disorder and depression and anxiety and drug abuse. My goodness, there are so many. Perhaps we can do another session sometime. A session. See, we're both well, in the would, business too long. To <laughs> Called it a session. It's an yeah. interview. But I would love to do it as well, and I thank you very much. We're speaking to Dr. Scott Benson, who is a child psychiatrist in Pensacola, Florida. Dr. Benson, thank you very much. Thank you, Abby. Take care.